Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. They weren't going to have a parade. They didn't have a traditional parade, at least not one in the street. What a throw. They had one in the water, and oh my goodness. That angle demonstrates that it was not a screen pass. It was more like a 20-yard out. No, my I goodness. mean, seriously. It that's makes me nervous. Pack. And it's deep there, Every Mike. Every time I see it, it makes me nervous, Chris. It made Tom Brady nervous, as you could tell. Ooh, nah, he wasn't nervous. He was drunk. Look at him. <laughs> well, he might not be totally drunk yet by the way that throw looked there. Now he's drunk. Now he's drunk. No, no, there's, it's weekend at Bernie's. Oh, it oh really wait, is. no, it's Tom Brady coming <laughs> off the boat. It was um, weekend at Bernie's, though. <laughs> Looks amazing. I, listen, I love it. We, we do not condone binge drinking on a regular basis. It is not something that we would suggest that a person do every day. But when you win the Super Bowl, and also when it's your seventh of your career, yes. you get a little bit. You get a little bit. Come on, of come of on consideration. He's allowed, allowed to party. To yeah, right. He's allowed to party like I, a rock star. I, I really, <laughs> I really wonder what he was drinking, and I wonder how much it takes to get him in that weekend at Bernie's vibe. Because if he never drinks. I mean, think about it. If you didn't drink at all, and then all of a sudden right. you had a shot of tequila, you'd be stumbling all over the place too. Yeah, no, no doubt about that. I, I mean, I, I remember him being on like Colbert and doing things like that with his beer chugging, and he's actually pretty impressive. And like in a few of the Super Bowl ring parties, right? He did that and like beat some of the offensive linemen. So I, I don't think he's like an amateur uh, or anything like that. But you're right; he's healthy as can be. And man, I don't know. I love that. I love that we got to see that side of him. I really do. I enjoy it. It shows, yeah, he's not perfect. So what? He, you know, the guy is, he lives football all the time. Let him sit, you know, sit back, relax, and enjoy, you know, the spoils of, of all his hard work. So I like that, Mike. That was um really, really cool to watch yesterday. I had a lot of fun with the videos, watching, everything like that. Uh, I used to live right there. So it really hit home, too, because I'm telling you, they dropped that trophy. It's going like 80 feet underwater. It's dredged out for big boats and everything like that. But uh, really cool, and I'm really happy for Tampa Bay, the city, too. It would have been the most aggressive and expensive private frogman operation <laughs> yeah. that, Seriously. that the city had ever seen because right. I think instantly they would have gotten the police there with their gear, and Tom Brady would have written the check, whatever it takes, go get that trophy. But I, I figured it wasn't just, you know, eight to ten feet, that it was going to be deep. way down to it the is bottom. Way down. Yeah, it is. It's uh it's it's a it's an area where it's like it goes into the city there. So it's been dredged out for big boats or anything like that. Cruise ships sometimes go through these little areas. Uh so yeah, that would have been 
Very, very interesting to see. But, oh, man, did you see read some of the comments on social media, too, though, under some of the stuff? I mean, it really just made me chuckle. Like, one of the first comments of him coming out, you know, wobbly and the guy holding him up was like, you know, day drunk, maskless, maskless. He's truly a Florida man. And I just stuff like that. I truly got a chuckle out of living there. I, I understand what that means. And it was uh, it was fun to see. Well, the footage of the full parade and especially the thousands lining the river, uh, Florida men and Florida women yeah. galore as it relates to the ongoing pandemic. No. And isn't it strange yeah. that that we feel like we have to pull punches and self-edit because people get mad when you point out that that folks are doing things they probably shouldn't be doing in a pandemic. I'm at the point where, look, if you want to be stupid, there's nothing I can do about it because there's nothing we can say that's right. going to change what anyone's going to do at this point, right? That's right. You're right. There's nothing you can do. There's not. It, it, it's a special scenario. And, and really... You know, I know the cameras are there and all that stuff. And, of course, yeah, we, we care about people and everything like that. But, damn, it, anybody we've talked to, right, during the whole season, this seems pretty status quo for Florida. I mean, I, I, I have friends down there, and they go, yeah, you go around, and you wouldn't think there's anything there. It's kind of on you right. to protect yourself. So it is a little bit Florida's the Wild West. We know that, and they do their own thing. So I, I guess it's harder to be critical of them since they've been doing this the whole time, I feel like. But isn't it sad that we've gotten to the point yeah. where we're just kind of numb to it yeah. and we accept it? It's yeah, like you're right. it's basic stupidity arrogance selfishness in a pandemic and 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 we just we're talking about it now just yeah. because we're kind of acknowledging why we don't talk about it but i talked to a guy that i know down there not long before the super bowl and he's like yeah in florida you 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 go out and about and it's like there's nothing even happening yeah it's on it's you been that way for a while my dad so. was surprised you know he was down there this whole week for the super bowl all that stuff too he was he, he was kind of surprised by that as well i do want to ask you this before we get started into some more fun Bucks talk. This has to do with that at least. When's the last time you drank so much that you were wobbly like a Brady there? Like when's the last time? Five like, years ago. Five years ago? What five was years it? Ago. Paint the picture yep. for me. Five years ago, we the, the barn was still a fairly <laughs> I can see new see the experience. grin on your face coming. Yeah, okay. The barn was still, and it was March of, of 2016, and I, I, you know, there was a a West Virginia basketball game on Big 12. It was a night that they beat Oklahoma, I think. And one of the guys who's a regular down at the barn, it was his birthday, so we got a cake. So I may or may not have been cutting slices of cake while under a certain state of impairment. Right. And as a result, there was icing in places where you never would have expected icing to be. And uh, yeah, that was that was uh, that 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 was that that's the last time. That's the last time. I I fully support moderation. Right. That was one night where it got away from me a little bit, and uh, I don't I don't like that feeling. Oh so. man, I know. I'd like to see it though. What the hell were you doing with that cake? I mean, what can you was, possibly do when you're that you know? Well, well, when you when you see the the usual practice is you put the plate down and you slice the cake, and the cake falls onto the plate. For some reason, I decided to add an extra step where. I cut it onto my hand and then I carried it on oh my, my hand gosh. and put it on the plate. Oh my and, gosh. And and, yeah. and to illustrate the fact that I wasn't alone in my consumption, people actually ate the cake even yeah. though I was carrying even it around on my hand and yeah, slapping right. it on plates. Right. That's so. lovely. That's when you know other there's people are consuming around you. <laughs> there still may be icing in places down there at the barn that uh, by now it's uh, you know crusted over, but uh it's yeah, that was and and I, I was because the barn's down the hill, it's about fifty steps up a hill to right. get yep. to our patio, and I was assisted up the hill. I think that was before we had the. We've got a little Ranger Polaris Ranger that you can drive around the property on, and I would I would ordinarily ride up in that, not drive up in it in that condition. Ooh, but I, money. I had to walk man, up. Hide and I was, that I was money, Woo, man. All right. It's not like it's, it's not, it's, <laughs> I, I know said it's, I said, it's a Polaris Ranger, yeah. not, not a Rolls Royce that we drive down the hill like you have. Okay. <laughs> uh, another point about Tom Brady kind of stopping and smelling the roses. I asked Ronald Jones the other day, jokingly about whether or not he's already heard from Tom Brady about getting back to work. But the reality is in the past, he's done that 
a day or two after the Super Bowl. I think after the Falcons win, they were ready to get right back on the horse. He's on his guys right away. There's no days off. And I don't know, maybe it's a product of being away from the Belichick influence that maybe you do enjoy life a little bit. Maybe Bruce Arians has told him to lighten up Francis a little bit right? and enjoy things because there's always time to work later. But you put in all that work, you put in all that effort, take take a few days and enjoy it for now. Yeah, I mean, yes, he's obsessive. And, and listen, I, I wouldn't put it past him that he got in some sort of workout yesterday morning and did something. I mean, Alex Guerrero was there on the boat with him the whole time. So, I mean, the guy, I mean, the, he's he's all in. And, yeah, he deserves a few days off. Certainly. I, it is cool. There's no doubt about it. When you look at social media, I notice people saying it. And, I mean, it jumps out to me, too. You know, it, Tom Brady is different in Tampa than compared to, to New England. Yeah, New England's a different place. Tampa, Bruce Arians, you know, he lets you be you. And it, I think, you know, we're seeing a little bit of a different side of Tom Brady that we haven't seen. I, I find it refreshing. I think it's cool. It makes him more human, less of a robot. And uh, I, I, I think it's, it was fun to watch yesterday because of that. Bruce Arians addressed the team after the boat parade. And as Bruce Arians tends to do, he generated some memorable comments that were peppered with profanity. Here's a little bit of Bruce Arians calling his shot for 2021. I, I, cannot, I cannot take credit for any of this. All right, we have the best coaching staff in the NFL, and we damn sure got the best players in the NFL. All right? And anybody that says running back, bullshit. All right, that was Kansas City's bullshit. We're going for two. All right, we're going for two, and we ain't stopping. Yeah, uh, hey, everybody who wins one thinks they're winning two. The only team that has won two since free agency really took root in the early 90s when the Cowboys were winning two in a row. Yeah, but that was and still like... Systematically, it was still early. They were right. systematically dismantled once people figured out how free agency yes, worked. Exactly. The only team that's done it is the Buccaneers in 03-04, your first two years in the NFL. Since then, no one's you done it. The it's Patriots. been almost 20 years. Yeah. The Patriots, who did I say? The Buccaneers, but, you know, same See, quarterback. Here's what happened. <laughs> but here's what happened. I spent like half of the season thinking the Buccaneers were the Patriots. Remember when the Buccaneers were getting ready to play the Broncos? And yeah. I'm like, what the hell? They just played them. Oh, it was the Patriots. Yes. And now it's gone It's gone 180. Right. Now I'm calling the Patriots the Buccaneers. The, uh, well, the, the Broncos won back-to-back, too. The Tom too. Brady team. Oh, yeah. And not, yeah, well, that's right. I forgot about the Broncos. Yeah, but, how, how could I forget about the Broncos? But that was still, I feel like, to your point, in the stage of people were still figuring out free agency, the salary cap, and all well, of that. But Well, but, no, yeah. no, you know, you know, you got Kyle's dad had figured it out. He that's figured when they it were out. cheating exactly the salary right. cap. Yeah. yeah, they were cheating the salary cap. But I'm not, that's not facetious. They did. They lost like a third-round pick and more, and they got fined hundreds of thousands of dollars for cheating the salary cap. They did something with Elway's deal and they they did they I did i don't remember I mean, that if, yeah yeah if, if you ain't cheating you ain't trying but yeah <laughs> it's out there it's out trust me the truth is out there 98 99 they finally caught up with them 2001 2002 ish and gotcha. uh they ultimately took at least a third round draft pick for the salary cap violations that were part of that team that they managed to hold together all right anyway back to the yeah the buccaneers i i don't have any problem with arians being arians and you know Hey, they'll either do it or they won't, but it's not going to be easy. And as we've discussed, it's going to hinge in large part on what some of these other teams do that are trying to chase them in the NFC. Yeah, definitely. And, and you know, again, you said it's not it's it's not easy. Bruce Arians, he knows that he doesn't care. He, you know, he's going to coach the same way no matter what. So he's not really worried about what other people people think about him. And, you know, oh, is this bulletin board material and everything? He's always got his team juiced up. He gives his own team bulletin board material so they play better. Uh, so I, you're right. They're having fun. I got no issue with that. And the big thing is, hey, what other teams do? And more importantly, what they do. I know that, that'll that be a big, big factor in this. Yeah, the salary cap, what is it eventually set at? And then we know they got some high-priced, big-time football players here that are free agents. And I have a hard time thinking they can keep them all. I think they can keep the majority of them. But I would think one or two of these high-priced guys do slip away. You know, I've been hearing 180, 180, 180, and there was a report over the weekend, I think Shefty had it, that 180 to 181 is going to be the salary cap, but Jabari Young of CNBC had an item yesterday, and we wrote about it last night at PFT, that the NFL is trying to get 
the frameworks finalized of the next wave of TV deals before the start of the new league year, before they set the salary cap. So what you can do then, and Young says these deals are going to be worth collectively $100 billion, which means it's probably going to be eight, 10 years of a package. Once you have that money set in stone, you can start shifting it around a little bit and maybe move some of the money yeah, to 2021 right. and right. smooth out more easily the impact of the pandemic. Hopefully. So that could make that salary cap go even higher. And it could eliminate the advantage that some teams would have had yeah. in an environment where players are getting screwed and they're doing one-year deals. And let's just go join some of these quarterbacks who are trying to go, go get a championship. It's going to put more even footing out there for the NFL if the salary cap is higher. Yeah, it totally changes that aspect. You're right. For that guy that we've talked about, the Indomitian Sioux type guy who's, yeah, we're going to really pay him $10 million for one year, $8 million. You know, what's going to happen there? Yeah, that, that, will, that will affect it. But – that would be good news to the Buccaneers because they got a two they got a few guys where you go they got to pay big time money to. I mean there's no doubt. I mean like we we talked about it a little yesterday, right Mike? I mean, you know the two guys that jump out to me out of all the free agents, you know, Gronk, okay. AB, okay. I think they're coming back. We talked about that. Sue, it's just about finding the the sweet spot. Here's the the graphic. To me, the two guys that are – and Shaquille Barrett, okay, that's another one. He, he can't leave. You're, he's he's too big of a part of how you play football. So, like, I think they're guarantees to be back. Now, Levante David and Chris Godwin are the two I look at to just go, eh, because, again, there's a lot of good players on this football team. They got young talent. And Levante David, I think, is going to be able to command $10, $12, 13000000 million a year on the market maybe, right around that range. Chris Godwin can be anywhere from 16 to 19 million dollars a year, I would expect too. So that's that's the two guys I got my eye on going here into the free agency. And there's that extra dynamic of breaking up the Buccaneers, disrupting their effort to try to get the team back together and win it again. And between Bruce Arians and Jason Light yesterday, there there was commentary about those two people, specifically Chris Godwin and Levante David. Let's hear from coach and GM on those two players. The owners, the Glazer family, they've given us all the resources to keep all you guys together and to keep you next year. And we're going to f- win this thing again. Right? Oh! You ain't going nowhere. I love y'all to be out there. Y'all families deserve this. We deserve this. We're going on here. Mike Evans with the microphone. He reportedly had told Bruce Arians he'll give up some of his money to keep other guys around. It's one thing to say it. It's another thing to do it. Yeah. It's another thing when you start seeing the impact of that on your gross and on your take-home pay. I that's a that's a big big thing to do when you're it's one thing to restructure and move money around you're still going to get your same dollars it's another thing to say you know what I've earned this I deserve this I've only got limited years where I can make this kind of money but I'm going to voluntarily give up some of it in the chance that maybe we can do this again and one more point on Shaq Barrett 18.99 million is what it would take to tag him again because he was tagged this past year that's going to be a tough guy to keep around as well because he's got a hell of a lot of leverage, and that's a big number that you got to put on him to keep him around for what would be one more year right. because then next year it's quarterback money yeah. or a 44% raise, and I, I think that you make it even harder to do a long-term deal in 2022. Yeah, no, you're, you're right about that. He would be a guy that I would think that they're going to try to find a long-term deal now. I mean, it, it's two really awesome years uh, you know, of his career for this Buccaneers franchise. And really, he was good before that. You know, with the Denver Broncos, he was just kind of stuck in a spot where he didn't get a chance early on in his career. He was stuck behind Von Miller and Demarcus Ware and those type of guys, you know, and then never really got a chance to prove himself. But damn, he's a good football player. I would expect they do him first out of all these guys. He's the number one guy they figure out. You know, Chris Godwin, awesome player, love him. But they have a little leeway there. They got receivers. So it's not like a necessity where you're like, oh, man, if they don't have him, they're really in trouble. No, they got a lot of other good guys. I, I recognize how awesome he is. And the Levante Davids, the other one that I just look at, legend there in Tampa, been awesome. But 
I, I think he is going to command a pretty dollar on the on the open market, and they do have Devin White. And just you know, just how far are they willing to go to spend on these guys? I think is going to be the big question. That's the key when you have a Devin White and you look at the broader linebacker position. Yeah. How much money can you justify right. in that layer of the defense? And technically, Barrett's a linebacker, although he's a pass rusher. But you know, between David and White, can you really put that kind of money into? Levante David, when Devin White is just one season one year away, away right. from being eligible for a big contract of his own. So that's going to be a challenge. And sometimes with those guys that have been such a key part of the team for so long, the team thinks it can maybe lowball them a little bit right. and maybe squeeze them a little bit that way. And then the question is, are you willing to uproot your life and move just to get more somewhere else? And remember, the other thing the Buccaneers bring to the table is the no state income tax dynamic, which can be a significant thing if you're thinking about going to play for the Chargers, the Rams, or the 49ers, where it's 13% no doubt. in the highest bracket. That's a factor in this as well. And that, you know, it's amazing to me that the Florida teams, the teams in the states with no income tax, haven't made more hay in free agency because that's a hell of an edge. Yeah. That's a hell of an advantage. Well, yeah, you're right, Mike. I will say there there is a knowledge of it through the NFL player community, right? Oh, I mean, there is no, yeah. but my point is why aren't the teams in Texas and Florida better? Yeah, they should be better. You're right. They should, they have that built in advantage. All things equal. You, you go there instead of the state that's got the state income tax. No, I mean, it's a valid point. You're right. There is an advantage there. Uh, I, I would say really the, the, the biggest thing through my years, I mean, I feel like most of the NFL wants to make their way down to Florida for sure. You know, they all do because of that, the lifestyle, the warm air, everything like that. It's great to train in all of that. So Florida's always had that advantage, you know, really, um, I, you know, I, 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 but but you bring up an interesting point. Uh, but I don't think it's, it doesn't matter as much just because all is equal and these teams only got so much money they can spend on players. So, you know, there's there's nothing some of these guys can do, no, no matter how badly they want to go down there. And the the other side of this beyond the guys that they may be able to keep. And I agree with you. Chris Godwin is going to be a very, very difficult right. one for them to justify yeah. because of the fact that they're deep at the position and there could be some free agents out there that would want to come take his place. There are going to be guys that want to come to Tampa Bay, whatever the salary cap is, if it's 175, 180, 220, there's going to be guys who are, when the music stops, they're going to realize big money isn't out there, so why not go play for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? One guy. One of the all-time greats at the running back position is very interested in signing on for the possibility of capping his career with a ring. Here's Adrian Peterson when asked if he would join the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That would definitely be something that I would be interested in. Playing with Tom Brady, that by itself, you know, is enticing. Um, but having a relationship with Bruce Arians, um, you know, I don't know what they're going to have going you know, for next season. But if I'm a part of it, if I if they want me to be a part of it, I'll be a part of it for sure because I'm definitely trying to add a trophy to my, my resume. Leonard Fournette due to become a free agent. They've got Ronald Jones still under contract. LaShawn McCoy presumably just did a one-year deal. I'm pretty right. sure he just did a one-year so. deal. You know, yep. he's he's got back-to-back -back back rings. Back-to-back and didn't play in either and game. <laughs> At least he was active for this Super Bowl. Right. Last year, he was not active. He really kind of fell out of favor. It's the second straight year the Chiefs had a veteran running back that they ultimately realized, what are we doing with this guy? Right. But two straight years, Super Bowl championship. Now, MDS wrote something leading into the Super Bowl about how LaShawn McCoy's been a non-factor for the Buccaneers. And actually, Leonard Fournette reacted to that, saying he's not a non-factor. He's helping us out in practice and stuff. Well, that's fine. That's not our point. Our point yeah. is during games, he's not doing anything. But, you know, it helps to have that veteran presence around, no matter what he may or may not be doing. Yeah. And the thing is, the thing is, you're not going to have Adrian Peterson. If he gets a spot with the Buccaneers and they are in a position to do well, he's not going to be grousing about his role. Definitely how much not. he touches the football. Right. That, that's you, you, You're signing on to be part of something special, yes. and you accept whatever your role is. That's exactly right. You, you, you've signed on. Winning was the number one thing, and we're already good without you, so we don't need anybody right at that point. So, uh, I, Mike, you made this point early on, and it's you know outstanding. I mean, I, I think there's going to be a lot of guys in this class as far as 
you know, guys towards the end of their career, uh, whether they're, they'll do it for a bargain or what league minimum or whatever. But, yeah, they're going to look to, hey, let's go down to Tampa, Florida, and can they use me as some sort of role, you know, on the football team? There is value with guys like Adrian Peterson and that. I don't know if you want to have him be your number two guy. Like, to me, it's more where, hey, he has value, certainly, but I think he's more of like almost a number three at this point of his career to where, yeah, he plays in certain situations. The guys back are, are back up or one of our other guys banged up, so now he gets in the rotation. But really, you keep him there almost like in an insurance policy, too. That's like what LaShawn McCoy was. It's just a guy where – Tom Brady and Bruce Arians go, man, if they get hurt, at least we know this guy knows what to do. He's played a lot of football. He'll pick up the blitzes. He won't mess things up and lose us the game. And that's where those kind of veterans have great value on our roster. You know, another guy that I'd thought of a couple of times this week during the show, but there was never a chance to mention him as it relates to Chris Godwin possibly leaving. Wouldn't this be the year? that the Buccaneers work out some sort of a low draft pick trade for Julian Edelman and reunite him with Tom Brady? Wouldn't that be Wouldn't that be the next logical move? I mean, that would be the guy you would think that would be next on Brady's radar if he could bring anybody to down there or anything like that. But, you know, that's where I look at the position. I mean, it's it's a valid point, but, that, you know, that Scotty Miller can be that guy. I, I would think everything I've seen from him on film this year and all of that – and the way Brady seemed to kind of, you know, bring him into the trust tree as the season went along, that they could make him into that guy for their offense too. So they don't have issues in the weapons department. That's for sure. And as long as they protect Brady, which it looks like they're good up there too, their offense is going to be, you know, a bastard to deal with next year because this is just the tip of the iceberg, what we saw. I mean, they just figured it out in week 13. You know, I mean, they're just getting going here. So now they're going to be able to grow our power running game and play action pass and all of that off of it. And it's it's suited for Brady. He's going to be able to play another year or two. We see he could throw ball. He could throw the ball all over the field. As long as you protect him, he will dice you up. His arm is still special. And I think that's what's awesome for the Bucks right now, too. I can't help but wonder whether or not the Patriots would resist vehemently a trade of Julian Edelman, even if they're at the point where they're ready to move on from him. We know how Bill Belichick is. Move yeah. on one year too early instead of one year too late. But damn it, Tommy, we're not going to make it easier for you to score a victory. And I the other you. factor is the Buccaneers come to New England at some point Whoa. during the regular season. I have a feeling that will be a significant game in a significant spot, hopefully Sunday night football or maybe even Thanksgiving night. Wouldn't that be something? That's an Ooh, NBC that would game be awesome. as well. Sorry, sorry to be greedy for all the great games, but wouldn't that be great to have Buccaneers-Patriots on NBC, Chris? Oh. But I don't think it would be great for the Patriots to have both Tom Brady and Julian Edelman. Oh, and, and on top of that, Gronk. Yeah. And Gronk. Right. Throwing Gronk. All three of them coming back on the same Wait, night. Where's the game at? The st if it's in New England, the fans might root it's for in Tampa. <laughs> they might root it's for in Tampa. New England. If that happens, you literally might be here an even crowd. I mean, that, that would be hilarious. I would say Edelman is still really good. We know that, certainly. The Bucks don't have a need at the position. I mean, Antonio Brown can do that stuff, too. And the other thing I would just say to that, just off the top of my head, since we're just you know waxing poetically about this here, I would think New England would want a guy like Julian Edelman around with the uncertainty of the quarterback position going into this year. He's a guy that can help the quarterback out a lot. He can almost reverse, you know, Brady in New England and teach the quarterback the offense and, hey, when I do this, you know, expect that and all of those type of things to where I think they would probably want a guy like Edelman around to kind of smooth over that transition. Yeah, but you can't help but wonder no, whether or not Edelman no. is looking at what's happening right. in Tampa and looking around in New England saying, get, get me, me the out. hell out right. of here. I've had my taste at the top of the mountain. I was a Super Bowl MVP. I want out of here now. Uh, one last point, because you you backed me into a corner over the whole when's the last time hey, I Hey, we got to go to commercial now, don't we? It's, uh, when's the last time <laughs> that you were weekend <laughs> Weekend at Christopher's Wobbly. Um, it, it's, I mean, it's probably more of a frequent event than yours. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I would say, uh, I, I would say, honestly, probably Christmas Eve. I have a bad history on Christmas <laughs> Eve of like just going too hard, being exciting, the, excited, the family's over. I start too early 
And every year my wife's like, I need you to be able to stay awake and help me put the gifts under the Christmas tree this year. And I never make it. I'm always blacked out, passed out, like done. And I can't do it. I don't feel that great because I've eaten and drank too much. So I would say really every Christmas Eve for the last four or five years, I've kind of been like that a little bit. <laughs> See, I'm picturing this, this effort by Chris to recreate the scene in Elf where he tries to put the star on the top of the tree and ends up going just torso first into the middle of the tree. That 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 that's right. Chris Christmas Eve. All right. Well, well now now I now I know who yeah. I'm going to text repeatedly oh. next Christmas Eve. I sneak away to too. Kind of, I sneak yeah. away. Like, you know, it's one of those things where like I'm in the party and everything and all of a sudden I'm like, "Whoa, I'm really not good here." And then it's, you know, I've, where's Christopher at? My family will start saying, and then it's, oh, he's in here laying on the couch or he's already passed out on the bed. So I've had a little issue with that on Christmas Eve. See, I do that on all major holidays because of the food coma. Like I'll disappear Thanksgiving, Christmas and Easter. Once the, the turkey and the rest of the stuff starts to sink in, I just have to go like find a guest room and lay down for I don't know, half hour, 45 minutes, hour, hour and a half, and, and then I snap out of it and I'm fine, but that hits me. It's never been alcohol-related, although we do drink wine. Maybe that has something to do with it as well. All right, let's take a break on that happy note as we as we put a bow on the boat parade and thank God they didn't have... Although part of me, you know, in a weird sort of way, from a chaos standpoint... Yeah, I would have liked to see part, it fall part too. Of me, <laughs> part of me wishes that the trophy had ended up in the water, but I there's such reverence to the point of craven idolatry of the Lombardi trophy seeing it thrown like that was horrifying to me you never you know this is the thing they carry out in white gloves right and 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 there it's 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 a, it's a precious expensive item that is the pinnacle of football success to see it thrown from one boat to another I was like oh my god no, shocking can they really do that but yeah after seeing it a few times I was like boy that would really be something if he had just thrown it over everyone's head and it had gone straight into the water. Well, I mean, and, uh, these crazy New England guys and what they do to these damn trophies. I mean, remember Gronk was taking basketball baseball practice the, uh, a few years ago. Yeah, he ago. put a big dent in it. Right, that's He put amazing. a dent in the thing. I mean, who so. – what I want to know is it did fall in, right? I mean, I feel like if I was on that other boat, right, that Brady was throwing it to, I would I would I would have jumped in and gave it a go to see if I could get it before it sunk fast. I mean, I probably wouldn't, but I think I would have gave it a go at least and tried. Well, well, and and that's the thing too. Brady's not the only one who was in his avocado tequila yesterday and it could have been a bad scene overall <laughs> if you got a bunch of yeah. drunken boaters deciding they're going to go try to get the the Lombardi trophy <laughs> on their own 80 feet down at the bottom of the Hillsborough River. All right, let's take a break. Um, we got plenty more PFT Live to come today. And coming up in about a half hour, the next development in this Russell Wilson saga that quite possibly was inspired by Tom Brady's instant success in Tampa. We'll be back with more PFT Live right after this. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait but marines will always be there they are the constant in the chaos no matter the battlefield marines adapt to win defeating every shifting threat protecting our nation's future the few the proud the marines teats and watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. I'm, I'm trying to imitate you doing it, so I need you to judge me on this. 
high in the key. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 more like it's more like you know the the high you you wrote it you wrote it out a little a little too long, but it's just high in the, high in the key. You know, high in the key. You know, just a little. You know, nothing high in the crazy. key. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I like that. A little Chase Young with J.P. Finley talking about quarterback Taylor Heineke. We don't know who the starter is going to be in Washington, but we do know that Heineke is going to be part of the depth chart for the next two years. He signed a two-year $8.75 million contract. As quarterback money goes, that's really not all that much. It doesn't scream out, dude is going to be the starter. And frankly, if he was in consideration to be the starter, Chris, there'd be some kind of upside there based on playing time, et cetera, to make it in line with what starters earn. So yeah. he he did enough last year to have a spot on the depth chart. He didn't do enough to convince them that he should be the week in and week out guy. And as we said after the wild card game, yeah. you know, he he went out there and he emptied the tank and he did everything he could to prove that he belongs, but you can't play like that week in and week out. You're not going to make it past right, week two right. the way he was throwing his body around. No, definitely not. But I think between, you know, that you know, some of the things he did in Carolina, you know, when he did get to play there, it, it's shown good enough to go, hey, he did, like you said, deserves to be on a roster, deserves the chance to be the backup quarterback, certainly. And that's what this contract screams. Two years, 8.7. That's even that's low for backup quarterbacks now. You know, and so, uh, again, it's awesome. It's really cool. But I would also even say to that, like, and to me, it looks like it's a, a one-year deal more and more than anything. And I wouldn't even be shocked. Is there guaranteed money here with this situation? You know, there's no guarantee he makes the roster this year. If they sign and get some big free agent quarterback, and Alex Smith decides he wants to play and restructures his deal or does something like that, I don't know. He, you know, so this 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 is an insurance policy for the Washington Football Team to say we got a guy that we like. He's on the roster, and no matter what happens, whatever. We can trust him to throw him in there in a jiffy or at least be a really good backup, and we're secure that way. Pete Demolitis, who likes a good conspiracy theory even more than I do, although let me tell you, based on recent events, I don't like conspiracy theories at all anymore. Trust me on that. But <laughs> Pete suggests that the Taylor Heineke contract was done and announced yesterday morning to take attention away from what the Washington Post eventually reported late yesterday morning about the settlement of the lawsuit that had not yet been filed but was poised to hit the court system regarding the videotapes that had been allegedly created, and this was a Washington Post report from back in August, outtakes from cheerleader shoots, calendar shoots that there were certain outtakes that were over the top that were, uh, frankly, containing Too various revealing. types of nudity. And, and they get spliced together, allegedly, for viewing by high-level executives with the team. That litigation was never filed because it has been settled. And the key that it was settled, yeah, when the lawyer representing the football team says the matter has been resolved, those five words are very, very common as the accepted script, the extent to which anyone can say anything when a case is settled with a strong and broad confidentiality provision. No one is allowed to talk about it, and so that everyone is on the same page, the only thing that anyone can say when asked is, the matter has been resolved. I've signed off on, negotiated, been involved in plenty of settlement agreements that had that provision that said the only thing anyone can say is the matter has been resolved. Right. So when right. I saw that the Washington football team's lawyer yeah. used that phrase, it, yes, it was resolved. And yes, a fairly large check presumably was signed by Daniel Snyder to resolve those claims. Seems that way. I mean, it also seems like Pete and you talk too much. So that's, that's one thing, but what is first off, I, I don't think that Taylor Heineke had anything to do with, right? You know, I mean, you don't you don't buy into that. That that was like a a curveball. Like, look over here, we signed Taylor Heineke. Don't pay well, attention to that Pete, story. Pete says. Pete says when you Google Washington football team, it's all Heineke stories that pop up. Oh, that's but, that's interesting. So. Okay, now now let me ask you the next thing. Like this being settled, Dan Snyder, I 
would think is under the microscope from the shield in the NFL a little bit. This a good thing, a bad thing? I mean, what do you? What's your take well, on it here, Johnny Lawyer? If anything, it's neutral to bad because the, the, one of the items that came out in this just bizarre, dysfunctional back and forth, and there's different levels and layers of fights that are happening, and the fight between Daniel Snyder and his limited partners. The 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 report came out at some point in December. It's hard to keep it all straight because there's been so much involving that organization over the past seven months. But the report came out at one point that there was a sexual impropriety allegation made, and it was settled for 1.6 million, if I remember the number correctly. Yeah, right. And, and 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 there there is cash value in keeping a case from becoming filed. And so, you know, it's one thing to say, okay, what are the facts? What are the damages that were suffered by the plaintiff? What is this case worth? Every case has a value. And if you can set aside the personal feelings, if you can set aside the acrimony, there's a way to look at it and say, here's what we think a verdict would be based upon these facts. Here's the range. Here's what we're going to spend to defend the case. The case has a value, and, and it's reasonable minds are going to differ on what the value is, but there's a value. Yeah, right. The thinking is that keeping the case from being filed has value because you don't want all this stuff out there. You don't want it all playing out in court. You don't want testimony. You don't want the video. God, you don't want the video to be shown. Not yeah. that it would be shown in open court, but right. but if you're Dan Snyder, you don't want to be dragged through this. And there's a fine line, a fine line between the settlement of a case with an element of you're buying silence and you're not going to have to deal with this and you're not going to have this all public and it's not going to embarrass you and your family. There's a fine line between that and blackmail and extortion. Right. And and in and in a in a weird sort of way. The, the settlement of these claims before filing a lawsuit is a legal brand of extortion because you're allowed to do it. You're allowed to do it. These are rights that I intend to, to advance in court. And this is, this is a, a proper exercise of my civil justice rights. And if you want me to not do that, here's what it's going to cost you. Well, and again, there's a fine line between yeah. that and extortion, but that's what happens all the time, especially with high-profile people who don't want to be embarrassed and have their image tarnished by the, the substance of the lawsuit, Chris. Yeah, I, right. I mean, it, it, may, it all makes sense. I mean, it definitely does. Uh, next thing I want to ask you, because I'm just interested to hear your take, and you always have good feel with this stuff. Um, where, where do you think Daniel Snyder... Like, where do you where do you think he lies in the NFL right now? I mean, that's it's it's still. I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on with that organization over the last year. Well, you know, is he warm and cozy down there? You think the NFL is happy with him right now and how things are being run in that Washington organization? I think back to what happened with Jerry Richardson and how swiftly he handed in the keys to the mm -hmm. car. Now he turned around and sold the team, and 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 there are people that are upset like well he shouldn't have been able to sell the team and make all that money well he still owns the team yeah. i mean ha, I, like and somebody made that argument with me about Snyder it's like well it won't be right if he has to sell the team and he's going to make all this money it's like well well i mean what I, how how much can you punish you the gonna, guy yeah, right. you're forcing We're them out you're forcing away them out all of the your club. money because of what you've yeah. done yeah you you can't you can't say we're seizing your assets. Right, we're right. seizing the team from you. The most they can do is force him to sell. That's yeah. the ultimate indignity. And yeah, he's going to make a lot of money if he has to sell, but he doesn't want to sell. I mean, that's the one thing I've repeatedly and consistently heard here. He is hell bent Seems on like it. making sure that his kids take over the team someday. Okay. He doesn't want to sell it. He wants to continue to run it. But when you look at what Richardson was accused of doing, and Richardson had four or five confidential settlement agreements involving behavior that traced back to him personally. With Snyder, a lot of this dysfunction has been brushed off to others in the organization. Now you could argue he's still the 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 top of the of the pyramid. He's the guy who's setting the tone. He's the guy who's putting these people in place who are creating these dysfunctional episodes. But the, the stuff with the videos, what it, it all comes down to what Beth Wilkinson found. Remember, she's the lawyer who was initially hired by Snyder to investigate the team. And I had concerns about that because it's never independent if you're being paid by the team to investigate the team and investigate the owner. And he's the guy writing your checks. But the NFL eventually took over that investigation. 
and there's just always been a vibe they're not going to go after him. And you, you get a sense from the NFL yeah. when they're really motivated to go after someone right. and when they're not. There's never been a vibe that they're really motivated in going after Daniel Snyder and forcing him to sell the team. So we'll see what the final report is. But I'm going to view the final report through that lens of they have consistently created the impression they are not going to force the guy to sell the team over this. And I can't help but wonder, frankly, whether or not that attitude is influenced by the reality or the possibility that, you know, wherever you set that bar, there's going to be others in the club yeah, I hear you. who potentially are going to find themselves in the same boat. Yeah, that, that, that you're right. You set a precedent. So now you got, oh, gosh, now another owner or something like that, and all of a sudden you look like – It's not – not yeah, you, yeah, you, you set a precedent yeah. for facts that have already transpired Yeah, right. where guys didn't know where the line was, and they're already, once the allegations come out, they're already on the wrong side of it, and then yeah. you give more power to those who would make – these potential civil allegations. Hey, we got a lawsuit we're going to file against you. How much do you want to pay us to not file that lawsuit? Right. All of a sudden, the price of that goes up. Yeah, yeah, that, it all makes sense. Uh, going to be interesting. Yeah, but you're right. And I, you know, I know we're going to go to break here, but I, I do like you. You get the sense that the NFL, whatever, is just the attack dogs are not on Washington. That they're going to let this play out and let it go, and it just doesn't seem like anything major is going to happen. Yeah, and I really – because I remember when the stuff went sideways for Jerry Richardson, I remember thinking – Yes, like they're going to force he's, him out. He's, he's got not no the chance. last. Right, and, right. And that he's not the last. Right. That, that if, if having entered into confidential settlement agreements with employees who made claims that there was any type of impropriety committed by the person who – you know, is a billionaire and may feel like he can do and say whatever he wants. And some of these guys who are older, who may have, you know, they, they grew up at a time when things that were acceptable then are clearly not acceptable now. You're going to have others. He's not going to be the only one. And I, I remember seeing reports from people. I think Charles Robinson of Yahoo had a report that they're scared to death about how this was going to play out and how many others were going to end up in the same boat. And I'm surprised that, you know, Three, four years after the fact, Snyder's the only one. But depending upon what they do with Snyder, it could put others in a delicate spot. And I think that's where they're that's where Snyder may be benefiting from uh, you know, a, a greater degree of lenience than we would have expected. Yeah, because right. I think there's concern that that and, and who knows? Who know I'm I don't know. I don't know. And I think they don't want us to know. And one way they keep us from knowing is to not create an incentive for others to come out of the woodwork and say, well, yeah, this owner did this to me. That owner did this to me. And, you know, before you know it, you got for sale signs all over the NFL. Right. All right. Uh, let's take a break. The Ravens are still regarded as a high-level contender in the NFL. So why does one of their starters want off the team? We'll talk about that next and more here on PFT Live. The Baltimore Ravens have a left tackle in Ronnie Stanley. They paid him a lot of money last year, and then he suffered a broken leg. Orlando Brown Jr. moved over to left tackle, and he decided, I kind of like it here, and there's a good reason to like it there. That's how you get paid more money as an offensive lineman in the NFL. And so this tweet came January 29. I'm a left tackle. Report yesterday, no surprise from NFL media, Brown wants out. Brown wants to go somewhere where he will be a left tackle. He's entering the final year of his contract, Chris. And look, the the, the, the Ravens uh, can can easily say to him, play for us or play for no one. He's got a salary of $920,000 for next year. Uh, he, he's shown yeah. by playing pretty well in Stanley's absence that he can get it done. But, uh, you know, I – it's he doesn't have a whole lot of cards here. Maybe he's inspired by all these quarterbacks that are trying to talk their way out of their current locations. But I don't know what the Ravens are going to do about this other than say you're under contract and the time for you to get paid is next year, not this year, whether it's by us or someone else. Yeah, no, I mean, the, the, the Ravens certainly have that, you know, in their court. There's no doubt about that. He's he's a hell of a player. It would be a huge loss for them to, to have to get rid of Orlando Brown Jr. or do anything like that. Now, Mike, I mean, I think you bring up the right point. You know, one, okay, I think the guy likes playing left tackle. That's where he feels most comfortable at. That's what he's, you know, and I'm trying to think back, Oklahoma, yeah, he played left tackle. That's that's where he wants to be. So there's obviously a comfort there. And, and listen, there is a difference. You know, again, 
hey, you know, just like, you know, shooting a basketball. I like shooting layups, you know, with this one way, right? You know, well, the offensive linemen have those same type of things. I like coming off the line of scrimmage and pushing a certain way as compared to the other way where maybe that leg's not dominant. So comfort with the position or overall liking of the position more at the tackle position. And then I guess like to what you're saying, right? Is that the other thing you think that plays a factor in it, just sheer dollars? Because there is a difference between left tackle and right tackle. Why? I don't really even know at this point. That's I, it, it honestly is kind of weird to me. But what is it? Right tackle, Lane Johnson and Trent Brown, right? Lead the way at $18 million and $16 million, I believe. Left tackle, it's a different story. You got Bakhtiari and Tunzel, right, at 23 and $22 million, right around there. So yes. there is a difference of... $5 million at, at a premium as far as the top of the position. I guess that's what he's thinking about too. Tristan Wirfs, who was the right tackle as a rookie for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, had a colorful explanation back in uh, – What he say? Let's see when this was. This was in April. He said uh, when I – because he actually went back and forth at Iowa from left tackle to right yeah. tackle. When I, I started flipping back and forth, I was oh, right. trying to look for a big difference. Honestly, the only big – difference is you got your other hand down it just feels awkward at first but once you settle in it feels fine it kind of feels like wiping your butt with your other hand that's very nice very nice yeah well i mean (laughs) yes they can make the adjustment sorry london (laughs) yeah sorry london uh they can make the adjustment i mean orlando brown has been a really damn good right tackle he's perfectly capable of it he's just telling you he likes left and he likes that money and that's the big thing and hey listen worse than orlando brown jr i'll say this you know, they were two guys. Worfs, I didn't know if he could play tackle in the NFL. I didn't know if his foot quickness was good enough. But these guys, the one thing they've taught me, like I try to self-scout thyself, right, a little bit when I evaluate them in the draft, they're such big human beings and so strong that the foot quickness is overrated. It's just overrated. Yeah, you might kind of be getting around the edge on him and you think, oh, I'm going to get around him. Yeah, good luck. His right arm's 120 pounds, and now he's pushed you, and you went seven yards past the quarterback. You didn't even come close. So the foot speed thing is very overrated. Orlando Brown is a tremendous force on the offensive line, and uh, that's going to be interesting to see what happens, Mike. One very important point as we go to break, and I want to conduct a social experiment here. I was told yesterday by one of our viewers in the U.K. that I'm now bleeped by Sky Sports NFL when I say pissed and also when I say sorry London. Why are they bleeping sorry London? Maybe they've had it. What's that? It's it's, it's What's your that? it's your racism to their other towns and cities in, in England. I'm They're pissed. like if he doesn't learn a I'm new one we're bleeping They're them. bleeping sorry London. <laughs> sorry sorry London. Manchester. We'll be back with more. We'll be back with more. Sorry <laughs> Liverpool after this. <laughs> the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave.